now when you really focus yourself and apply yourself really amazing things can happen with focus and i think our world is very much kind of fashioned right now that we are not able to focus on things just like with social media with phone like i told you that analogy of the of the baby elephant they tie the the leg to a stick and they put the stick in the ground and as the elephant grows older the same stick and rope is there even though the elephant is much bigger and stronger and can break through it but it doesn't because it's conditioned I wasn't sure of the philosophy, the the spiritual practice that I grew up with, or the religion I grew up with, Hare Krishna. So, someone suggested that why don't you go to this place called Vrindavan, and we took a course to study the main scriptures, and and it basically changed my thinking because it made me really buy it in for myself, like to to understand the philosophy and to to like really deeply contemplate it and to think about it and 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 be like okay this makes sense to me and that's where things really change like this made sense and this is something i could devote my life to i recorded this episode with namaras um, just over a year and a half ago but i'm excited to be bringing it to you now a little bit late but nonetheless, it's a fantastic interview, really, really insightful into the life of someone who, as a very young child, got into Hare, well, his family got into the Hare Krishna movement. And then he kind of grew up as a young Indian kid, kind of having his spiritual life on the weekends, but also having the normal American high school life um, Monday to Friday and how those two kind of separate parts of him, um, he finally brought them together. So let's dive straight in. So welcome back to the Evolving Door podcast. Today I have a, a great guest, someone that I've sort of seen and admired from afar over the internet, Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but we've never really had a proper chance to chat and we recently connected. And he's a very interesting guy. He's um, part of the, the Hare Krishna community, like, like I have been for a long time. But he's uh, someone with a, a really interesting sense of humor. Like one of his things he describes himself as the meme Acharya. Acharya <laughs> means like someone who kind of um, paves the way or is, is, is good at something. So we'll touch on that later about humor and how to use humor um, sometimes in a, in a disarming or interesting way. Um, but he's also a dad of two boys like me and a husband. He's, a, he's, a, he's working out in the world, you know, carving his way. And he's also someone who, who practices spiritual past too. So I'd like us to give it a, a big Welcome to Namaras. How are Thank you? Thank you. Thank you, Ravi. Appreciate it. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have you. So let's kind of go back. So you're living in America. That's where you grew up. Tell me what was life like uh, as a little guy? Like, so sort of one to 10, what was your life like and how, how did you feel in the world? Yeah, I mean, I had a great childhood. I think back on it and I, I, I'm re really grateful of how it went. Um, it was confusing at times just because I was a part of two different cultures. My parents had come here uh, in the 70s as young people from India. And they were, uh, you know, they were just working. My father was a college student and then they were working. My mother's a doctor. She was going through her residency and all that and all that. And so um, being a kid in America was was different, you know, as a as having parents that were immigrants essentially mm -hmm. so uh 
it was it was a great time it, just because I remember feeling a lot of love from my parents. My I have an older sister, uh, and 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 also being a part of a spiritual community was very nice because I had a lot of uh, friends who were the same age, and my parents had friends who had kids who were the same age as me. So it was a very lively time in that way. From you know older when I was when I was getting into like okay having friends and things like that. So. From like five to ten, it was just very um, dynamic when it came to associating with like-minded people and uh, having like you know adventures in this in the summertime and things like that. But also having friends who were not a part of my spiritual community, um, school friends, uh, and and them asking you know what 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 are you about and things like that. But also being accepting. I, I was I was kind of blessed. I feel like I was. I had a lot of good friends that were like very open to like someone different than them. <laughs> very yeah. different, you know, very different actually. Uh, I had some really great friends that I actually went to kindergarten with and then I actually graduated high school with them. So I was all with the them through. for like, yeah, I was all the way with, I was with them for about like 15 years or something like that. And, uh, you know, th that was a, a blessing. I don't feel like it's could be like that anymore. I mean, we can talk about it later, but, uh, yeah. It's definitely changed uh, since since I was a kid, but yeah. To be answer your question, I mean, it was a mm. it was it was a very nice childhood. I, I'm very blessed. Mm, no, that's great because it's interesting, isn't it? Like identity as a as a broader topic. Like um, we each have our sort of layers of identity, I guess. Um, and so you mentioned you you're obviously um, from Indian kind of heritage, if you like, living in America. Then you've got the the thing even within the Indian community, then taking up a spiritual path in a serious way is a whole yeah. new layer yes. uh, itself in itself. So how did that happen? Like uh, who in the family got interested in that and how did it all happen? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, my father was just a normal immigrant person from India and he had fully embraced American culture. Like he was a hippie, like he was a full on hippie shows me <laughs> all the time. Like, you know, he had the hair, the bell bottoms, and he had like all these friends who were all like Americans, like white Americans. And uh, he was drinking and he was, he was doing all kinds of normal high college student from, from America. So mm -hmm. he actually went to a funeral with my mother, um, and it was, uh, and there were Hare Krishna devotees at that funeral, and they gave a talk about like the soul and uh, how how we are not the body but we're the soul and and the eternality of the soul, and uh, it really changed his heart. And he thought like, what what are these people about? You know, I think it has a lot to do with like religion has a lot to do with the people and the relationships more than the philosophy sometimes mm. for people and for my father that was something that really um it really jived with him so then that day he 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 that night after he got back from the funeral he had completely changed he thought i want to like pursue what this person was about we still know this person to this day the person who gave that talk at that funeral wow. yeah and so he eventually you know, met that person again. They started going to the temple there and he started reading the books and he became a changed man. He like had a full on paradigm shift. And uh, my mother was not about it. Like she was like not into it, you know, like, cause he had started to like kind of neglect his 
fatherly responsibilities in the, in the sense of not like taking care of us, like my sister and I, but also, um, but, but in the, in the way of like financially providing for us and things like that, uh, Mm. for a short period. But Mm. I feel it's understandable when, when you kind of like find this like spiritual awakening and then you just get so into that, except for him, it happened when he had a family as opposed to like when someone might have that when they're younger and really like single or this, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's how it happened. And then I, this, I was like uh, a month old when this all happened. Wow. Do you think, do you think that perhaps, and it would be natural to do so that your mom perhaps saw it as a, perhaps a bit of a threat to the stability of family life and stuff like that? Oh, totally, totally, totally a threat. Yeah. 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 I mean, she, she eventually really became a, a, a better practitioner than all of us. (laughs) <laughs> no, she did, you know, but uh, she, it had, it took her some time to, to get convinced of that. Cause then you think about it, like it shouldn't get her in the way of your like family life, you know, your, of course, yeah. it shouldn't get in the way of providing for your family, taking care of your family and stuff. So I understand where she was coming from, mm-hmm. but my father just like, he, this was like the most important thing to like have this you know, um, this awakening of, 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 you know, who he was and where he want, what he wanted to do and things. And a funny, really cool story, actually, that I want to tell you is that, um, my grandfather, he, uh, so, so in, in the spiritual community that we are a part of the Hare Krishna community, we chant Hare Krishna a lot. So, so my grandfather actually printed cards in 1950 something and and they had the Hare Krishna mantra on it. No he was way. handing it out to all his friends. This was in India. In India, yeah. Wow. Now, now um later on we we found those cards, and my dad remembers it as a young boy that my grandfather was handing out those cards. And then eventually my father met the devotees of the Hare Krishna and he became a devotee practitioner and started chanting Hare Krishna. So basically it kind of came like a circle like it's almost like the seed was planted in a way even though he yeah. hadn't remembered it yeah yeah i know and it had and it took him to come to america and find <laughs> Hare krishna people and to take up the pra- the, the chanting and the practice it, it, it even though his father was already sort of doing it you know so he had to he had to really yeah. find himself you know like isn't that um, interesting isn't that an interesting thing like you touched on earlier like um how having a breakthrough or uh, a greater awareness, particularly when it comes to things like spirituality is, is very much time, place and context, you know, like it was there and sometimes something's right under our noses, but until, like you say, we're in the right environment and something's happened to us and we meet the right people or whatever, it might not kind of awaken. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's for him, it, 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 it kind of, it was like the perfect storm, like, oh, this person came and, and they were about the Hare Krishna too and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with, um, I, I, I'm, I think I can't stress that enough. It has a lot to do with your relationship with the person. Uh, and because, you know, they, there's that saying, people don't care like how much you know, but they want to know that you care. So this, he, they, he, he, and then eventually befriending that person, he felt so much care and love for him. And like, to this day, he, he's in communication with him. Like how powerful is that to have, like, to change someone's life in such a deep way, Mm. um, by, by, you know, befriending them and, and, and loving them. I mean, love trumps it all, you know, so. It does so much, and I think as 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 I get older, certainly, and maybe 
um, it seems to be more prominent in the the atmosphere. If you like, that people are are talking about this concept of love trumping everything. But I know in my own life, and I wonder if you've experienced it too. When take take away spirituality for a second, just people in general, there's that whole thing of of needing or wanting to be right and kind of needing to be right. And when people get into a clash, it's kind of like being right is more important, or you yeah. know, stubbornness or whatever. And that's how so many arguments and breakdowns of relationships and whatever. Yeah. happen but add to that then maybe spirituality or something like that where the knowledge you have or the way it's being presented to you is that it's not just relative knowledge this is absolute knowledge so now right. you can be absolutely right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you um, can take that the wrong way too right? well, it, well it can add a, a whole because the need to be right is already there right so then you add this absolute layer on it and um i think that's one of the things that has put people and continues to put people off yeah. um philosophies or spiritual paths whatever to this day so what are your thoughts on that because it is really really hard whether you're following a spiritual path or not to embrace that thing of um having the intelligence to know in the in the moment of conflict that what i say uh is going to have an impact here and if i can am i able to kind of take that higher path of 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 thinking about how this is going to make the person feel mm. rather than just sort of saying what I'm driven to say, cause I'm right or whatever I need to express myself. Yeah, very important, very important point. I feel like it, it, you have to understand, you have to be empathetic to people. Like people are coming with their own conditionings and their own perspectives. Like you have to, we have to, as, as uh, spiritual people, we have to understand that, like, okay, you might have the absolute, what you might think is the absolute truth, or you believe or have faith in what the absolute truth is, but mm. someone else might not be able to meet you there. So you have mm. to meet them where it's relatable and, 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 uh, and, and without making them feel disrespected or feel like they're wrong, because that's the biggest travesty when you, when, when, when in the name of religion or in the name of spirituality, you try to like push truth or whatever down their throat, you know, and, and uh, I think, I think it has a lot to do with being empathetic and knowing what that person's uh, perspective is and what they, what their different uh, experiences have been. And mm -hmm. then being able to understand what that, understand that and then meet them there. Mm. Is, I think it's important because if you don't, then what are you going to do? What kind of impact are you going to make on someone on, on someone's life? What's uh, achieved? Yeah. There's nothing what is achieved. Yeah. You're not going to achieve anything. They're just going to be The wall is just going to be put up. Where do you, what, where do you see the best kind of, or the most impact being made in someone's life is when people are just like opening themselves up to, to you or to that other person, this whatever the path is or whatever uh, because they f have their faith in, in that and they feel like they're not going to be judged. They're not going to be, you know, that no one's trying to convert them. No one's trying to do, they're just trying to like, you know, I mean, it's very rare. It is very <laughs> rare. That's the, that's the thing. That's like, the thing. It's very rare. Yeah. We, we certainly agree that it's the, it's the preferential um, way of, of approaching things for yourself yeah. and for the other person, right? For both of you. That's but it. as you say, it's so rare and unfortunately, not to kind of dwell on it, but unfortunately, yeah. whether it's new people or whether it's ourselves, we've had these experiences sometimes more so in spiritual communities where we're 
judged like way more <laughs> than oh, yeah. we would be by by your average person in the in the street. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because we're you know trying to hold ourselves to a higher account or to a higher level of self-discipline or whatever it might be. But the 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 love aspect is often uh, uh, or appears to be very lacking. It does. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, 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 but we see for sure there are examples. You got to look for them. <laughs> you got to yeah. really look for them. And there are those examples uh, where I see that there the opposite of that, where there is a lot of love and there is no judgment, and we see this that people are flourishing in their in their spiritual lives and and in communities. Uh, but again, I can't stress how 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 rare it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's almost by having that cold analysis, which at first might appear like not such a good picture, that almost then allows us to understand that yeah, there are pitfalls, but there are hope is not all lost like you can't throw everything out with the uh, what is it the saying the baby with the bathwater because yeah, yes, um, yeah. it's easy to kind of swing one way or the other isn't it yeah yeah definitely it's yeah it's you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater you have to like that you have to look for the example like if it if, if you like you'll see it but but you have to really look for it and and it's unfortunate when it's when it when it is thrown out like the whole thing is thrown out uh, i mean we see that a lot but i mean in my life it's it's it i've been blessed that it's it's always been sort of like full of love and full of um i, I think it has a lot to do with um my parents kind of not uh taking things to the level where it i mean maybe in the beginning they did but like where it where it kind of hindered our relationship like it, it was always uh it was always like family was first and our relationship was very um was very like uh it was important more important than than trying to like Fit the needs of the spiritual institution or something like that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like I think it, it does, yeah. So, so that's why I, I, in my experience, I mean, I can just speak for myself. That's that's why it was very full of love, and and um, I, I didn't feel anything. Maybe in my later years, I did, but mm -hmm. earlier so on, let, it, let, let's let's talk about that. So, like you're you're growing up. It sounds like you know, first part of life was quite was quite nice. Then, as you go into the teenage years, right? Obviously, hard for you know not necessarily hard per se but like different right things change yeah so totally. so did the identity elements how did they sort of tune in differently or whatever as you go into 13 14 through the teens coming up to the late teens how was that for you i i got really into like my spiritual community but like not in the practice really but more like the outward like the friends externals, the externals a part of it like i was very much about you know um yeah like we do kirtan we do kirtan music and stuff so i was like like very much about playing the drum and 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 okay. being with my the, friends the cool elements the, the cool, cool elements yeah not no depth really at that point very very kind of a shallow view of what spiritual life was about 
naturally as a teenager, you know, and, and, um, and then also trying to understand like, okay, how do I, how do I balance that with like going to high school and going to, you know, going to middle school and, and, and having all these friends who didn't know anything about it. Like, how do I explain that? Uh, I don't, I live a double life basically. Like I'm when I'm Monday through Friday, I go to school and I'm, you know, I'm a, just a regular kid. And then sun Saturday and Sunday, when I'm with my spiritual community, I'm like, mm. you know, I, I'm someone else. I'm like doing something else, you know? So mm. this actually double life kind of thing went all the way into my college times. And uh, it was very difficult because it's it's hard to play both parts like you have to constantly try to please both parties and you don't know where you are in your in your own mind like to be one and to be like just who you are is so is so um easy and natural and to do be someone who you're not is so difficult uh because you have to because you're not yourself you're just kind of faking it you know so, did you think though that, for example, sorry to interrupt, but did you no, no think problem. that um, it might be easy for someone to think, oh, so your weekend self was your was your real self, and the other one wasn't real? But like, was it not as clear cut mm. as that? Like, so yeah. you know, so w where was the real you kind of thing? If you like, very good point, very good point. Um, I don't know actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, what was the real me? I mean, there was a there was parts of the real me in both for sure. I mean, you made a great point, like. There was parts of me that I loved to hang out with my uh, school friends and just be a normal American kid and, you know, do all kinds of things. But like a part of me also was like, no, but like I've had, I have the spiritual community as well. And this is something I'm a part of. And I like this too. Mm. You know, today I'm like, today I'm, I feel like I've melded those together and, and I'm, I'm like who I am. But at that time it was, confusing a confusing period of mm -hmm. trying to juggle those things and isn't it interesting like um if certainly i think it's a typical teenage thing of wanting to fit in and stuff um but like maybe with your you see it in all the high school american mostly american high school movies um, <laughs> where it's kind of like stuff that doesn't feel comfortable but we didn't do it to fit in but we've also seen yeah. it like with spiritual communities where maybe sometimes we try and pass off as we're a bit more serious or strict or good inverted yeah. commas than than we really are or whatever yeah so it's kind of like the the deception if you like or the fitting in aspect can can happen in both worlds right totally yeah i mean th that that trying to fit in like i think that's a plague of our that's plaguing our spiritual community like anything just people trying to put on this show of 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 maybe something that they're not or or a standard that they're not at mm. I, I think i think that's plaguing people because when they don't meet that standard it's they they you know they're they they feel guilty they beat themselves down and uh that could that could even uh you know spread to their family or how they treat their family and things like that so i think mm. yeah it's 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 a very difficult thing. It comes, I feel it comes with age for people, or maybe it doesn't for some people. <laughs> <it didn't. laughs> well, that's an interesting thing. Cause I'll come on to it in a minute. You, you talked when we spoke briefly a week ago, you, you said something about sometimes people 
are locked in time at the moment that they get into a spiritual path and they don't appear to evolve, evolve in, in brackets or, or kind of progress. But let's come back to that in a second. So um, it's interesting. Like, I think there are a lot of things that are happening, as you say, we might perceive them as we're getting older or growing up. Um, and I find that fascinating all the time. I'm for, or just past 48 and I still feel like I'm growing up all the time. Right. Um, even though you're supposed to be this adult, you know, is, is, is like, um, but, um, I think it's also partly to do with the, the, the general culture. Like, even if you look back 10 years ago, people used to have two different Facebook accounts or two different LinkedIn accounts or whatever, because yes. the idea was in the professional world, Yes. You had to put on one face and you couldn't be into like snowboarding or whatever it is, DJing or whatever you were into. Right, right, that, was right. like, that was like you would try and keep that away. And so people weren't sort of it wasn't almost generally accepted that you could have your whole self as the self that you present. Mm. So I think that's been changing just in in general society as well. Mm. So I think there's all these parallel things going on that are kind of gradually allowing people to be more all aspects of themselves uh, in one, if you like, I feel. Do you, have you noticed that at all? Yeah. I mean, I felt that more recently with like people, um, you know, like with the political and social upheavals in America in the past few years of, mm -hmm. of uh, you know, the, the kind of, you know, accepting people and, and uh, the prejudice and racism and things like that. Like, I feel like I've been able to be myself, be my external, like kind of how I look self a little bit like more proudly than I have been in the past. Mm. Like, I, I, like, like, for example, like we wear certain like robes and things when we go to the temple uh, and, and, Usually I don't wear it out like to the store or something. If my wife tells me to go get something and I'm wearing it and I, I usually change it. But, but like in more recent years, I've been like, no, I'm just going to go out how I am. And, mm. and this is who I am. Like what, mm. like, what are you going to say about it? Like you can't say like, I know it's not the best way to like approach it. It's like a more of like a challenging <laughs> approach, but it's like, I'm, I'm like, this is, this is me. This is America. America is a place where it's like so many different cultures and people and it's like a it's like a you know not a not a melting pot it's like a salad bowl you know like we're just like all like in we're all here together you know and uh it, yeah in most recent years i've been kind of just more able to 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 be myself um whether it's my indian self or indian cultural self or my Hare krishna self but mm. uh I, I definitely i feel it's it's Although, although my, I still have kind of to, the two Facebook thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't have two Facebooks. I have one Facebook, but it's not, has nothing to do with my civilian name or my career or anything like that. That's just because yeah. I don't want like my work people knowing my, like kind of getting into my other life just because it might be distracting to like who I am professionally or something. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense, but it, it's not about, it's not about like hiding myself. It's more about like, if I want to, if I want to, you know, kind of make my way up in my career, mm. I have to, I have to be like normal, like everyone else. Although we have like a, um, 
we have a thing at work where where we have our like profiles. It's like an internal Facebook kind of thing. And on there, I say, you know, I'm a Hare Krishna. I go to the Hare Krishna temple. I'm a vegetarian. I do, mm. I do, you know, meditation and things like that. People know it, but but I'm not going to like allow Give, them let, to, let them fully into the to the yeah, party exactly. if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, uh, just that point I was mentioning a, mi a minute ago. You know, um, I mean, the the Hare Krishna movement in the Western countries. I mean, it's only really called the Hare Krishna movement because when when um, Srila Prabhupada, who brought the ancient Vedic kind of um, knowledge to the Western countries um, in the 60s, the the devotees would then go out and chant this Hare Krishna mantra so people would see them and then you know call them the Hare Krishnas, right? But so so the the 60s was an interesting time, very different from now, I guess. Although <laughs> in the next few years, we don't know what's going to happen in the world, but. Yeah. And it was very much a time of unrest, you know, the Vietnam War. A lot of people were opting out. They they were feeling dissatisfied and, and not at all happy with the, the kind of American dream and all that it pretended or suggested it would offer them, etc. So there was a kind of a dropping out thing. So a lot of the people who became interested in spiritual life at that time, it was a kind of against the world kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that sort of seems to have changed. But what were, any thoughts on that Um uh, I'm part of a group. I don't know. You may be also part of it. Of of um, Hare Krishna devotees who are who is called progressive uh, Vaishnavas. Oh, so I've heard the, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the idea of thinking about this ancient wisdom and this knowledge and stuff, but in a way in which feels progressive, or that it kind of evolves with right. with the the times to some extent. So, what are your thoughts on that? Like you mentioned that a lot of people older. Hare Krishna people might have joined and they're like fixed on the way it was at that time when they joined and there's no budging, there's no room for any change. Right. So the, the Hare Krishna movement, as I know, is, is a, what, what we, what the leader, you know, Srila Prabhupada, he, his whole thing was about like sharing it with others and, and, and making it a movement, making it moving, not, not, uh, not static, but like uh, dynamically sharing this, this, wisdom with everyone and so within that uh there's there's different ways of thought of how we are to share it or how we are to practice it whether it's in a progressive way or traditional way or like that me personally i i appreciate the way it's progressively changing like he used to say like old wine in a new bottle so like how to share it in a way that people can uh can people people can benefit from it from like i said before like meeting them where they are at and i think sometimes there are there's a whole spectrum of ways to share it uh and and um i don't think there is a right and wrong way but personally mm -hmm. i like traditional things like it's just my personality or, or, or what I was, what I grew up with. So I like traditional things, although I'm not going to say that, okay, that person who's trying to do it in a more progressive way is wrong. I feel like it is wrong when there, when there is like, there is like kind of, um, you know, there might be some racism involved when it's like a backstory is like, okay, there's Indian people like Hare Krishna movement came from India. So there are those people who say that, okay, let's strip everything about it that's Indian culture, and then the Western people or the people who are non-Indian, they'll be able to take it up and relate with it better, mm -hmm. which I do 
I understand the point, but 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 making the uh making the Indianness of it like like kind of like saying that that's the that's the part of it that we just that's want a problem. To yeah, that's, that's that's that it's a problem. Yeah, I don't agree with that necessarily, but mm. I do appreciate that. Or there's ways. There's so many ways of sharing spirituality and 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 what we call Krishna consciousness. There's so many ways of of sharing that, and there's no right or wrong. It's it, like someone told me, like, what kind of net do you want to really throw? It's like an analogy. Like, do you want to throw out a big net and ca- catch like tons of fish, or do you want to throw out a kind of like a net that has bigger, um, that has bigger like piece? You know, the net is like a little bit bigger, so you do, you're catching certain type of fish. You know, it's like it's like. Mm-hmm. It's, there's different ways to do it is my point. And uh, wh- I think there's a failure when people fight about it. Like you're failing, like the whole reason we're all in this together is 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 because we're a community and we have to work together. And and if you, and we're trying to like tear people down, like, like, a, you know, like crabs in a, in a, in a, in a bucket trying to get out, like one person's getting out and you're just trying to pull them down. Like that's just a failure of a spiritual community when we're just fighting over superficial, distracting things like that. Like we should more appre I feel like we should more appreciate what other people are doing, even though you may not agree with it mm. or you may not jive with it, but they're trying according to their perspective and experience trying to do it they're trying to be progressive and you may not like being progressive but you still appreciate what they're doing so to answer your question i am i like i'm like a hybrid i like being traditional but i also like being progressive so it's it's difficult to 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 see where i stand when it comes to being traditional, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, I do know. That. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I do know what you mean. But what I find interesting, if 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 I may, is is that sure. It seems that, um, and this is where uh, labels or names are kind of problematic. Is that it, um, I think you've equated the idea of progressive and that group with uh, as one kind of group, as kind of like the people yes. who are kind of anti-Indian, which I think, in my mind, no, I no, think, I haven't. No, I, I don't think. Yeah. That. I don't yeah, think yeah. okay cool cool yeah, because yeah. um in my mind certainly the prog- progressive isn't about any one detail it's just more of a um an approach or right. sort of an open mindedness right, right. um uh, a flexibility i guess a kind of a um willingness to to try and understand the same things in new contexts and and things like that right um and and perhaps for me it's also trying to dissect whether it's indian or not indian the parts, the cultural and sometimes therefore traditional aspects that can get bundled in with what we call spirituality that are actually perhaps even toxic or um, really not helpful for anyone in material or spiritual life, like kind of casteism or judgmentalism around um, certain ways of doing things. You know what I mean? Mm, So. So I think that's that's an interesting thing when you take up any path is to is to kind of have the partly bravery, but also the um, that even if no one else is going to give you permission or socially accept you to do it, to forge that path where you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you are still willing to f- uh, sift through and find parts of it that you're going to throw out, yeah, because you don't feel that it's helpful to you or to other people from what you've seen. And yeah, that is a hard one. That's that's difficult. Yeah, I mean, you have to 
I mean, people are consider, you know, people may be considered, um, you know, that they're going off the path or they're, uh, what's the word? Um, deviating. Deviating. Yeah. yeah. They may be, de- they, they may be deviants. And, and like the way I think of it is that like, this is me, this is me in 2021. Like I know what the teachings are. I know what I need, what my practice is. And I know what I, what it's, what it's asking of me. Like, I don't like, I can't relate so much. Maybe this is partly because of COVID also, but I can't relate so much with the institution that is trying to like control like every other part of it when I already know what I need to do. You know what I mean? I like I have a family and I like, I um like we touched on this kind of when we spoke earlier mm-hmm. uh, that like where does the institution fit in someone's life when it's, when they, when we know, I mean, there's the community part of it for sure. Hmm. But when, but when it's like too invasive, it kind of, it kind of turns people off. Like it turned me off. It turns me off to this day, a sort of when it's, when it's too invasive and it's too controlling when you, when we know what the teachings are, the philosophy is and things like that. I don't know what you feel about that. I, I agree. I agree. When it's too prescriptive, like, like, prescriptive, okay, so yeah, there's a principle word. of like, so let's say take the basic principle is, is devotion right. uh, or uh, an expression of your um, energy, your service, your love or whatever towards, towards the divine and, and towards uh, other people too, in terms of yes. uh, how that's all connected. Right. Hmm. Um, now I think it's a problem when it says that should look like this. It shouldn't yeah. look like this. It should sound like this. It shouldn't sound like this. Yeah. It should. Um, and especially when those things are now loaded with like heavy judgment or shame or or even the threat of kind of uh, being bad or wrong or pushed further out of the little, the, 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 the nucleus or whatever, all of those layers or elements mm. I reject, and I, I have no uh, sh- no worry about rejecting them yes. now because I don't care. Like I have no problem with it because I think if I do want to continue on this path, these things are not helping me. In fact, they're really disturbing me and making yes. it like uh, making it very unpleasant for me. Um, so I I I, re- I reject them. <laughs> really interesting. It's really interesting that that um, that we didn't. You probably didn't always have that thinking um right perhaps i think i've always been um i guess individualistic or i i felt very interesting actually let me let me because you've touched on something that perhaps could be very interesting as a as a as a young man in school and in university i had this conflicted thing that was going on on one hand i had this sense of huge self-expression and kind of a confidence to do it. So I used to have, you know, strange haircuts or like mm. wacky clothes or, you know, very, uh, I wasn't afraid to sort of be out of the box or whatever. But at the same time, I felt like part of me was incredibly insecure about that as well. Mm. So there's sort of this huge need for acceptance and for fear of being different but at the same time, an incredible need to fully express myself as well. <laughs> right. So those two things, like they can, you know, so I always uh, had a sort of an uneasy relationship. But I suppose the one that was more 
couldn't go away was my need to express myself. So I suppose that's why I, I, there's a sense of uncomfortableness about doing it because I do want to be accepted. I do want to be part of it. I don't want to be considered, you know, whatever. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I have to do ultimately what I think is right for me. Yeah. Like I can't stop it, you know? So yeah. What about you? Cause I, cause I know that in your, you know, as you say, you've arrived at a, a place more recently where you're, you're sort of more embracing and comfortable about, you know, your full self and whether it's exactly how other people think it should be or not. Like, for example, here we are both rocking the old beard. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, whereas in, in uh, you know, going back maybe even 10, 15 years ago, if you had a beard and you were, uh, or even long hair, like there's something wrong with you if you're a, yeah. a Hare Krishna person, right? Yeah, I mean, I think about that so much. Like so many people ask me, like, what's with the beard and like, what's with the long hair and stuff? And I think it's like an expression of myself that I haven't been able to express. Although it's a part of like, I I met one, I was talking to one devotee who is a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, the founder of the Hare Krishna movement. And he was telling me, Prabhupada told him, either have a shaved head or don't shave it at all. Like have, like just let it, don't, because the thing about you know, the thing about the 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 spiritual back back you know backing from that uh, the the hair and all that that is is that we're trying to like focus less on our appearance and more on spiritual things. Lower maintenance. Yeah, low maintenance exactly. So this is not maintained at all. Like I don't cut anything. So that's another way to maintain it, and it's not looked upon at all in a, in a good way like i get a lot of comments where people are like why do you do that that's not what the that's not what Srila Prabhupada wanted of our devotees it's this it's that you know and and i'm just like i'm gonna do it because i want to do it yeah and exactly what are, to, what are you going to do to me like are you going like it's just a part it's just like this challenging part of my life i am at i'm in right now like what what are you going to do that's going to affect me in any way i don't think it's healthy to be honest like i i to have this kind of like challenging spirit and not have like a more loving spirit but that's where i am right now like and and um your original point was um what do i feel about that like like i told you that analogy of the of the baby elephant like a baby elephant when they want to just like tie it up, they tie the the leg to a stick and they put the stick in the ground. And as the elephant grows older, the same stick and rope is there, even though the elephant is much bigger and stronger and can break through it, but it doesn't because it's conditioned to have this stick and rope to it. And I feel like that sort of, like I feel like I was sort of stifled in a bit early on, earlier on, uh, and 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 kind of like had this like that this spiritual community's authority is going to uh, rule every part of your life, and they're going to say what you can and cannot do. And to and and just more recently, I've been thinking, how does this spiritual authority, which is not really even a spiritual authority, really, they're actually meant to be a managerial authority of the society. But as a side point, that how can they affect my life in, in a way? Um, how can they rule my life? And they really can't. It's, it's, uh, it's something that I've just grown up with and I, I don't want to break, break out of because it's not helping 
it's not helping me like um so so like there's that to the analogy of the stick so like just because you've kind of been accustomed to thinking that you should yeah uh, but i i think the the irony in a beautiful way is that when we you mentioned there perhaps have that more challenging attitude or break the stick and realize yeah. that we can wander around anywhere we want to yeah um, is that there's a double side to this because I agree it, that sort of challenging spirit can make the heart maybe not so soft in the loving way. However, yeah. I think through that challenging spirit and embracing yourself more, we talked mm. about this the other day a little bit as well. You kind of actually arrive at a, a more honest and true space where you can actually perhaps almost begin the path for real because it's where you really are. Great point. You know Great what I mean? Point. So in a way that's now where you can that's where you can go through the evolving door right? to get to and yeah and to get to the loving place and whatever because what's the yes. point in having the so-called loving attitude if it's not real and it's not really yeah yeah it's not where you're really at it's not what you really you're, you're sort of feeling that's like you're like the little baby elephant walking round and round in a circle and yeah. everyone thinks pats you on the head and says good boy <laughs> but <laughs> but like really you want to go and 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 storm into the jungle and roar like an elephant. And, yeah. and sort of eat like, you know, the trees and whatever, you know, yeah. it's like, don't forget in the analogy of the an elephant, that is perfectly natural for an elephant to do that. Right. There's nothing wrong with him doing that. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How those, like they call it a pen, don't they, for element animals. So like how sometimes culture and tradition and, and sort of constraints sort of create these pens and these ideas that hem us in, whereas surely the true expression of yourself is uh, a more full um, energy, I suppose. And then you could direct that towards, towards a spiritual path like that. Therein lies the challenge though, because mm. it's easy when you're sort of timid and you're penned in to kind of be safer, mm. um, but you're not giving the full expression. And then when you have the full expression, you might just wander off somewhere down the lane anywhere. Yeah. Um, so kind of finding that balance of full expression of yourself in the world and also um, not forgetting like your your kind of bigger purpose and so on. Totally. I mean, it takes maturity to, to I think it takes some maturity. Like I'm not, I'm full, I'm not even, I don't think I'm there yet, but I think I'm starting to get some maturity when like I understand what, what's required of me, of my spiritual practice and my, what my goals, spiritual goals are. And then to get to those goals, uh, there are certain pens that I was in that I need to kind of break out now to be, to get where I want to get. And to get there is starting with being honest with oneself and being in an honest place and then building upon that. Mm. Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? It almost like I had a great guest on, on the previous series called Matt Wakeham and he had kind of always on the side dabbled with, you know, spiritual ideas and meditation or whatever, but he was in an industry which was super media, TV, film, oh, a lot of intoxication and partying and all that. Right. And he came to a point and he also felt huge pressure to be kind of masculine. He was into weightlifting and whatever. And anyway, it all led to a point where he had a, he had a breakdown, like a proper breakdown. Wow. And I suppose it was really interesting when he said that to me and I, my comment was, well, that must have been kind of wonderful because even though it was hard, it, it, it let you have a breakthrough. And he said, no, at the time, it was just crap. It was horrible. 
-hmm. it led to like a better place. So that's the fascinating thing, isn't it, in life? Like sometimes it could seem externally that we're, we kind of realize, well, actually, I'm not so advanced at this. But kind of in that realization is the, is the building blocks for your success going forwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, to, to, to change, to change, like to, to find oneself, it's like a struggle. And it can be like you go through the fire of like, I forget what the analogy is, but like the crucible is like this, this really hot kind of, uh, implement and in, inside is where like all like the changes happen with someone. So like to find oneself, it takes a lot of struggle and a lot of, um, internal, yeah, an internal struggle and, and, uh, change is not, is not easy, but when you look back on it, you think, okay, this was a good change and it, it was hard at the time, but I came out and I was able to, you know, um, get through it. But, but looking back on it, I mean, at the time it's very difficult, as you it said, extremely hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Um, as I said, one of the th ways in which I, um, sort of, uh, was aware of you was through your, your memes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, just to kind of let people in on the joke a little bit. So like, uh the the almost like the the satire of it is is that an acharya is almost like this super um elevated spiritual leader uh right. you know that sort of paves the way for other people like it's a very honorific title and so when um Namoras calls himself the meme acharya it's kind of like be fair to be fair <laughs> people call me that Okay, it wasn't a self-proclaimed thing. No, it wasn't self-proclaimed. <laughs> someone said it. Someone said it. I was like, "Hey, that's cool. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that title on." And then yeah. I, and uh, anyways, continue. <laughs> no, no, but it is. It, it, there's, there's layers of humor in it. But I wanted to, to get your thoughts on, um, on the role of humor. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Particularly, yeah, particularly in, in contexts where, I mean, it, you see it in, in normal society too. There's stuff that you could you could never ever say mm. in normal conversation. Yeah. But but comedians, if they're clever in the way they structure it and everything, can say it. Yes. And and it exposes something kind of like yes. could be super heavy or super embarrassing or whatever it is. So tell me about your kind of because you use it as well. It's not like obviously you, you like humor, but you use it. Yeah, I mean, humor's always been a part of my life. Like I've like since I was a kid, I always loved making people laugh and kind of laughing myself as well. And my wife and I are a huge part of our relationship is like laughing and joking. And she even she's even funnier than I am. And <laughs> the reason I the reason I use like memes and things in 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 relation to like our spiritual community is that I feel like people take things too seriously they take things so seriously that it's detrimental to them and mm. to just like laugh on it and to make things more light is like it's like a service to people <laughs> like it's a service to my community to make it is actually yeah. and to make people think like okay why am i taking myself so seriously it's like it's not helping me to become so serious although being serious is a part of spiritual life like you like i like when like a part of a part of me that people don't know is that I I have a pretty quite serious spiritual practice. Like I mm. I take it seriously. Like I am not going to make a joke out of it. But mm. but when it comes to things that 
are kind of external and and people might get caught up in. I like to poke fun at that. Hmm. Like for example, um, I mean, there's lots of examples. I can't think of one at the moment uh, that that would kind of really, you know, give an the example. Drake, you remember you used the Drake one uh, recently, like uh, yeah. in a funny way. And, and, and so I guess you've perhaps I'm guessing found that sort of out in the world and then sort of adapted it for things that people in your spiritual community would understand. Is that yes. kind of what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, that's a good example. The Drake one, like so, so there are certain words that, or 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 like um, phrases that we might use in our community, and it 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 kind of like uh, we use those words more than than the actual normal term like for example like the if um our our founder Srila Prabhupada said certain things like it's been passed down like those phrases and he was like from a background of like Bengali Scottish educated man from 1890s you know like so a lot of that word those words are used in our society still which 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 is which is natural but it's also like a bizarre <laughs> like, like <laughs> you would say like okay instead of like going to sleep you'd say take rest so the drake meme was like um the drake saying no was like don't say go to sleep but say take rest so it's just yeah. like a funny like dumb funny thing and um there were so many phrases that are like that, that we had like a hundred of those memes and people were just roll. They were just like loving it so much, like, because it was, it was so relatable and so funny and it poked fun at our language. Like that. It's kind of like, like, why do you say things like that? Although um, I say those things to this day still just because my conditioning, but it's just funny to poke fun at because you don't have to take it so seriously. Like some people are like, we have to change it, you know, because, you know, we have to change it because that's why our movement's not growing. And that's why things are, that's so many issues in our movement. Like relax. Okay. This is just language. And I know things need to change, but let's just poke fun at it. And and have fun with it, and and I've done this with so many different things. It's like a hobby of mine to uh, to poke fun at things and and use humor to make people smile and laugh and um, take things more lightly, especially spiritual things. Like mm. we need to be a little bit more lighter on the spiritual things because spiritual things can can like either you know really you know, make people feel guilty or make people feel depressed, or they can elevate people and enlighten people again, back to our conversation of being honest with oneself. Like I'm just being honest. Like I like poking fun at things. And so that's what I do. And uh, sometimes it's gotten me in trouble at times, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, what's interesting. Um, Cause what, so it's, it's fascinating hearing you kind of describing the thought behind it, because I think what it, what it does is it gets people thinking or maybe it challenges totally. their assumptions. Right. So I, what I took a, a, on it was similar to you, but maybe a slightly on the other side, which was, it's poking fun at all these things that are, or almost it's poking fun at the idea that the the way Prabhupada said it or the traditional way mm. is somehow more correct. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, um, it's somehow, uh, somehow it's superior, like no reason why, but like it just kind of maybe like exactly, like when you really look at it, you're like, nah, it doesn't really matter which way you say it. Right. Right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? But somehow we've added more points onto that way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somehow, yeah. I mean, that also you can, I mean, that's a whole another conversation to, 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 to um, discuss like 
what things were said and if that's the better way to say it or are there better ways to say it and the evolution of a spiritual community of a young spiritual movement you know that's that's a huge conversation what's lo wonderful as well is is that if you hear um so i was just listening actually today to kashuba and raganas and they have their podcast wisdom of the sages right and um uh it's pretty awesome they do it every single day i can't i just yeah. can't i can't amazing amazing um and i was kind of reluctant to kind of listen to it in one way because i was like oh not sure but i i listened to it and it reminds me of this point i'm about to make which is even though the knowledge is timeless and um sort of eternal and it's been presented maybe the way we read it in a book in one way i think it becomes so more attractive and fresh when the person explaining it explains it according to their realization in their own words totally because then then it becomes like you sort of also move away from this idea that it's rigid or that it's no. um static as you said earlier it's what it becomes dynamic it's alive yes you know um and so i remember when i first went to the temple uh in Dublin in 1993, and I, wow. uh, the person who was giving the the class was a, a devotee called Tribhuvanath, I think you might have heard of, and of he course. was a student of of Prabhupada. And the thing that attracted me so much to it was the words that he was saying. Okay, they're coming from these ancient texts, but if I turn around, it was a storefront, and I look out into the world, out the window, into the street, what he was saying, like I could see it in the world. Like it, 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 it didn't seem somehow abstract or somehow uh, otherworldly, if you like. He was because he was explaining it in the context and using examples and stuff from what we see and experience around us. And I mm. think that's where I think sometimes we can perhaps that's for me, that's the difference between progressive and kind of overly attached to certain kind of things, whether that's called social, traditional, whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, then I, I think it become, and then, and then I believe also it'll become attractive to everyone because it, it can be explained in a million different ways. Yeah, exactly. But it's still the same essence, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of so happy that we're sitting here and we're both kind of arrived at where we're at, yeah. um, <laughs> but <laughs> for better or for worse, you know, it's where we are anyway, but yes. um, it's, uh, it certainly feels uh, like there's some there's some progress, um, but tell me as a as a just to touch on a few of the beats. Sort of we, we we've started at the very beginning and we've sort of ended where we are now. But in the middle, like when you were going to high school and stuff, um, yeah. did you have like so you you sort of going through life with this kind of spiritual tradition? Did you have the same kind of things of going to the parties and trying to go over to the girl and say hello and see if she liked you and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> did you go? Did you go through those? those I, did, experiences? I did go through that a little bit. Um, I I got into uh, like a little light drug use and mm -hmm. I drank once. And I never liked I never liked the 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 um. The alcohol but i i loved um smoking marijuana actually getting high kind of yeah 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 uh not many people know this so this is like a <laughs> I think. It's exclusive but, yeah but on myself you know you're you're bringing it out in me um it's totally fine yeah 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 you know and i loved it because um i would remember things about my childhood that i had forgotten mm. and, and uh it, it, that kind of 
that kind of like really like, I don't know. I just felt like a lot of love coming from that. It was like a weird kind of like psychedelic experience. I don't know what it was, but I, I didn't do that for very long. Um, but it was, it was due to association really like of mm. college friends and things like that. Um, and, and, and I didn't do it in high school. Like uh, it was much, it was later. A little bit older, yeah. yeah. I was a little bit older. And, and as far as girls, like I, I was afraid of girls. Like I, I still sort of am like, I don't, well, I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of friends who are girls. Like Tulsi, my wife was the first girl I kind of like really got close with, and then we just. I just got married. <laughs> like I just married her, uh, and I didn't have to deal with that um, so much. Uh, although I had the desire, and I and I did like about like two girls in college. I remember uh, like unnecessary details, but I, I approached <laughs> this girl and, and, and I was like, Hey, do you want to hang out? Like it took so much courage or something. And she was uh. like, she was like, yeah, okay. Or something. And then like, she never followed up. Like she just, I was saying that to not break my heart or something. I don't know what it was, but, uh, and I was like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. That was horrible. And then, um, yeah. And then, and then in my twenties, like as I got older, like I was just questioning everything like about my life and about my spiritual life, spiritual community and my, the institution and everything. I was really like, and my religious beliefs, I was like questioning all of it. Uh, and I wasn't sure where I stood. Like it really came to a point where I was like, okay, like what's going to happen now? Like I'm either in or I'm out. Like I can't be in the middle. Like being in the middle, it sucks. Like it's not fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's when I kind of had my evolving door moment. I think I feel like when I went to India for the first time, uh, mm. not first time, but f by myself of my own accord, like I went with my parents and stuff, but this was more like, okay, I need to go on some kind of like what my best friend in, in high school called it, who I know to this day, he called it like the vision quest. Like how is it? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? Like, what's this about your vision quest? So yeah, that's yeah. I think that Vision Quest, uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but I think it's from a book. Oh, is um, it really? I don't know. So, that. yeah. Um, and um, we'll, we'll, in a second, we'll go tell us a little bit about that India thing. But it's interesting when you mentioned about the altered state of consciousness or, you know, whether it's drugs or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think what's interesting about it is not, for me anyway, not so much the the substance or the ritual or whatever, but the it's a sense of seeking, isn't it? It's a sense of seeking yeah. and also when you do experience that slightly different altered state of consciousness, as you say, you're so uh, some of the 60s writers, I think it was Aldous Huxley, talked about the doors of perception. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you become opened up to um, the idea that there's more than what you normally perceive. Yeah. And so I think then um when you then start to think about spiritual things it's a little less abstract you can kind of go yeah well i've sort of had some kind of experience yeah. yes. you know what i mean yeah um and uh it's quite exciting um to sort of when you first experience that i think yeah a lot of a lot of spiritual practitioners that practitioners that i know have come through like some kind of psychedelic experience or like i in my podcast i just had a a, a guy come who was into ayahuasca like this south american like psychedelic kind of tea or something like and a plant he, medicine yeah yeah this medicine that's from like the amazon he like got into spiritual life and then 
from that podcast, I got so many messages. I got I must have got like 10 messages saying, thank you for doing that. Like I also had the same experience, which is like, I was like, what? I didn't even know that this thing existed. It, it's like really interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. I actually did, did try it once. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's um, funnily enough, it was, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe 10 years ago. And it was wow. actually through a, a Hare Krishna devotee person, friend of mine, wow, who, wow. Who, had, who had kind of got into doing it fairly often as a, as a part of their kind of, I guess, personal development, spiritual sort of journey. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, the, the time that I did it, it was, so they have shamans or I guess people who kind of convene the, the session or whatever and kind of guide it. And they have yeah. different music and mantras and songs and stuff. And the particular one that he was doing it with was a lady who, I don't know to what extent, but she really liked uh, Krishna consciousness and part of the songs were like Hare Krishna songs and stuff. It was wow. really, it was, it was a very, very otherworldly completely far experience i didn't wow. feel, feel compelled to do it again right not because it wasn't amazing or anything but just because it was so wonderful in one way but it was it was so exhausting like really? it, it, you know because um you go in the day and then in the night um you know you're up you're awake the entire night because you you know you you go on this whole trip and um at the end of it the next morning i just felt like I just been awake for like two weeks or something. I was so exhausted. I just thought, man, this was good, but like I don't have the time to recover another wow. like in future after doing something like that. But wow. funny enough, this this Hare Krishna friend, he um also kind of came to a point a bit like the guest on your podcast where he felt, you know, this was interesting and it was kind of helpful to me up to a point. Mm -hmm. But I feel like um it didn't necessarily like it wasn't like some backdoor way or some kind of accelerated way of getting to the same goal it was kind of like I, ultimately i'm still me and i have to follow my spiritual path and maybe it, it might help me for a little bit but it, in the end he kind of felt like it was something that he didn't he didn't feel was taking him it was dealing with him kind of in this area but not sort of beyond that maybe because like similar to your guest it felt like it was an artificially induced yeah. kind of thing and he also mentioned that which i thought was interesting that traditionally people only do it once or twice like in the the natives they only do it once or twice in their life just to deal with some kind of like special issue, issue or something. Am I having it's like a medicine it's not like something that you do all the time it's not a recreational thing no right right um and my experience of it was it was almost like having a in very very intense awareness of what we might consider from our understanding of, of things like, I guess, mother nature or wow. Durga, you know, wow. of a huge awareness and presence of this feminine uh, demigod, I guess, like somebody like infinitely more conscious and aware and powerful than me. Um, and just being like super kind of super humbled, I guess, mm -hmm. in the, in the presence of that, um, um, being, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people reached out to me like, oh, I did it recently and this was my experience. So it's pretty cool. Like to hear mm. of, 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 um, people's experiences. Mm. So you headed to India first time on your own. Um, yeah. and you're kind of, I guess, mid early mid twenties, you're, you're kind of like, sounds like, you know, 
doubt, like faith, doubt, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. What what kind of happened and where did you go? Basically, I I I, I wasn't I wasn't sure of the philosophy and mm. the tenets and everything about my the the spiritual practice that I grew up with or the religion I grew up with, Hare Krishna. So someone suggested that why don't you go to this place called Vrindavan? And I had gone to Vrindavan in the past. It's in it's in um northern India and and it's a it's a holy place. So mm. so they suggested why don't you go there? And I always had a great experience of Vrindavan. It was just like it was a place where Krishna consciousness came alive for me in such a way that was very uh, like like a very deep experience because that's where people I feel were like very honestly naturally devotional and devotion and their devotion was expressed so beautifully to God and to the divine uh, in such an amazing way and I always had a great experience there so I said okay let's go and um, I took two friends with me and we went and we took a course to study the main scriptures. Mm. And so uh, I did that and, and it basically changed my thinking because I, I, it made me really buy it in for myself, like to, to understand the philosophy and to, to like really deeply contemplate it and to think about it and, and, and be like, okay, this makes sense to me. And that's where things really change. Like this made sense. And this is something I could devote my life to. Oh, really? So it was, so just tell me, what was the length of time that you were there? Uh, in 2006, I was there for six or seven months. Okay. So during that time, yeah. w w like, did you, was there any resistance? Like when you went there, had you already decided, yeah, I'm just going to totally be into this and see what happens? Or were, 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 was there sort of a, a settling in period where you were kind of still not sure? And then you kind of crossed over a uh, into another way of looking at I mean, it. I mean, there was there was a, re a resistance when I first went there. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I could be at home with my friends, and you know, I'm just a young twenty, early twenty year old guy. But I'm living in this place where there's like, it's kind of dirty, and it's kind of like, um, I don't know that many people, and it doesn't, and it's like very hot. I like one in the summer. Like, who goes to Vrindavan in the summer? It's like yeah. wicked hot, like 120 Fahrenheit, uh, and it was like what am I doing here? But then as, as I got, I, I became very charmed by the place. Like anyone who you speak to, I mean, you can speak to this too. Like the Vrindavan, the place is just a mystical, charming place. Like you can't actually describe it until you actually go and experience it. And if you do experience it, you will, you will understand what I'm talking about. Like it is, there's something very mystical about the place, which just embraces you and makes you feel like, this place is like not like home, like like the, where I'm from, and it's like very different, but it's like very nice, different. Like, and so to answer your question, there was a little bit of resistance in the beginning, but as I got as I got more into like studying, it really took over my it really took over my mind and like, okay, this is the right thing. This is what I should be doing. And, and this is what I came here to do. And the answers that I'm looking for, I'm finding them slowly. So let's continue doing this and see how, where it goes. Yeah. Cause the interesting thing about doing that, cause, cause I did a similar thing in 1997 right. and um, 
it's an immersive experience, isn't it? Because your purpose for being there is to study. Like it's not like you're not really doing anything else, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Now this touches back on our earlier point about um, uh, taking or being inspired by a spiritual practice enough to take it up seriously, but then where do you dial it into? So like you, you, you end the studies and you're thinking, this is what I should be doing with my whole life. Like, <laughs> like mm. was there any room? Like, so do you know what I mean? Where did you end up? in the sense of did you think oh now i'll just go back and have my normal life and bring this as part of it or was this like everything now no no this was everything like i had to i had to pursue this more because i mean it started early on when i was a kid like i my parents would um my parents would um bring me to the temple and i would spend a lot a lot of time with the young monks that lived there and i loved the their life like they were very they lived very like it seemed like they were very focused and they were, they were very like um ambitious but spiritually ambitious and so when i when when i went to india and i and i studied and everything and when i came back i was like I need to be like those guys like that I really admired. I need to do what they did because now I'm old enough to do that. At the time I was like when I was younger and when my parents would take me to the temple, I was like a young guy and I wasn't allowed to live in the temple. I was too young and things. So now was my chance to really like take on that monk life. So I wanted to live in the temple mm. and, but I was, but my parents like, okay, well you got to go to college and you got to get a college education. Sorry about the sun. It's okay. Don't um, worry. But but you have to get a college edu education, and so um, I went to two years of college. Actually, I lived in the I lived in the temple for a little while, and then I uh, with the ashram, and then I went to two years of college, and then I left that left. I took a year off, and I, I went back to living in the ashram, and then I went mm. to college again, and I finished my university degree. So I did a lot of like back and forth, and and. Uh, but to answer your question again, I I I wanted to do it 100%. I wanted to live it day by day to day. You know, I was a single guy. I was I was young. I wanted to be in the temple with the other spiritual practice practitioners who were trying to be serious, like like I was. And so it sounds um, like a very wonderful period. But at the same time, yo-yoing back and forward between the college bit, probably like what what was the dynamic or the tension there? That yeah yeah that was a that was a little difficult because you know naturally when you're in college I and I wasn't I was commuting to I was living at home and I was commuting to my classes but 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 naturally you make friends in 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 that in the, the classes but and you, and you don't get too close because I was like I have a certain goal that I'm trying to reach spiritually and this is not going to help these kind of relationships are not going to help me to be too close with someone who's like totally going the other way like a college a normal college student's just going is just going the total opposite direction of uh, of the direction i'm trying to go in so um i was just a little bit aloof at that point in in university uh so um th those are my second two years of 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 university that that i was um the first year was the first year was um where where I was like still kind of experimenting on things, but they kind of, it was kind of the, the the next two years was when I was when I was really serious and I was like, mm. I need to get back to the ashram. I need to finish this. I need to get back, get my degree, and just get back to the ashram. Mm. So you, it was a sense of feeling like I need to do this for something later. It's a bit like on these um, 
computer games where you're traveling around and you go, I better get those coins because I might need them later on. I might need them later on for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And it, it, my parents were, my parents were, um, stressing that you know you need to back you need a backup plan and and even the, the people in the ashram were telling me that like the leader of the ashram he was like you should go back and get your degree like it's a very it's important and i thought okay now that i think about it i was like that was a very mature thing to tell like 21 year old me like you need to have a backup plan if this is is if this is not going to be what your life is going to be like for forever you know the fascinating thing is is that so I, I spoke with um, with Jay as well, Jay Shetty on the podcast last yeah. series. He and I were just talking about, it and it sounds like a very shared experience amongst people who really, for whatever period of time, really commit to to living in the ashram. And is yeah. that you, at the time, I wouldn't have even called it like a backup plan because there was never going to be a backup plan needed. Like you're thinking yeah. that, what are you talking backup plan? Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm going to do this for my whole life. Yes. <laughs> um, like, you know, even entertaining the idea that you might need a backup plan is like, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, as you say, it is maturity. Like we can all see now as older, you know, people that actually it, it's, um, it's not if I'm not going to be able to do this for my li whole life, it's highly, like one percent of people who, who, and that's the interesting thing, the fascinating thing that I ex realized in in retrospect. If we look at the Vedic culture, the uh, many of the young boys would go to the teacher's house, the Gurukul, mm. and study, you know, their normal learning and also spiritual learning. But it was very accepted that they would do that until twenty five, right? And then they would naturally move into family life and and all the things that come with that. Um, but when we're older and we sort of start the the path and we're enthusiastic and and sort of idealistic and whatever we think we're, we're actually almost disregarding the natural course of things yes yes and sure. um thinking i'll do this forever whereas whereas the one percent that might stay among their whole life it's like a tiny tiny amount of people who are cut out for that definitely yeah, it's that's a cool point. I always think about that point that you know the the, the natural course is like okay from age zero to twenty five is like you're in the ashram and then from twenty five to fifty you're a married person. But like people who join later, they're trying to go through that twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, late. It's a little bit late. So that's a funny. It's, it's a funny kind of um, part of our society that 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 happens. Mm. And um, when you when you went back to India to Vrindavan the second time, you yeah. you this time you weren't studying, but you decided to you joined a group, right? Who were yeah. twenty four? I mean, like in shifts, but they were twenty four hours sitting and meditating and chanting uh, yeah. in this holy place. What was that like? That was amazing. That was like a really huge turning point in my life. Like it it, it affects me to this day. Like the the amazing experiences that i had so this is um the 24 hour kirtan so um so the kirtan the meditation the chanting that's that's that we do it's 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 done in like a musical form so so that musical form is done it's been it's been going on continuously for about 34 years now so it, it doesn't stop so there's shifts of men who who live in the ashram and they do they do three hour shifts and they, you have to do two shifts in a day so six hours of this 
gear done. So you can do it in the middle of the night. You can do it in the day. There's like all kinds of shifts that you can do. So I was doing that for about a year and a half. And so that was a very, um, it was, it was very nice. It was a very austere experience just because it's hard to do six hours of kirtan per day. Uh, I mean, you're not, you're not leading the kirtan for six hours, but you're chanting basically for six hours uh, a day. Um, and, and you're living in the ashram with other men who are, who are doing the same thing. So you're trying to uplift yourself spiritually, uh, as well as try to live in this ashram, uh, atmosphere. Living kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it was, you, you build nice bonds with people. You're like kind of, it's a kind of the army a little bit. Like you feel like you were in the trenches a little bit with, with, um, people you were with at the time. I guess I have wonderful relationships with people who I was doing it with. And uh, we still remember those times that we were, now we might be married and have children, but we remember those times where we were single and we're sitting in that te hot temple in the middle of the night chanting and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, having this really amazing experience. So it, it was a, it was just, it was just amazing. And I, and I, I always think about when I do retire, um, mm. I'd like to go back and spend time there and do it all over again, because it was just, it was just a very carefree, um, focused spiritual life. And it really like, it was like feeding my soul in such a beautiful way. And I, and, uh, and just being also, like I said, in the mystical place of Vrindavan added that just added that amazing sweetness to it. And it's really interesting because as Kirtan becomes much more popular around the world, um, yeah. it's often seen in its kind of most colorful and celebratory form with like yes. hundreds or thousands of people chanting and it's all beautiful and everything else. But like, and it is beautiful. <laughs> but yeah. when you're sitting there in Rindavan, there might be like four four of you, like maybe on a small shift, right? Yes. And so it's it's not, it doesn't have all of the trimmings of all the kind of what we think of the the beautiful like huge crowd and whatever it's kind of like so what do you do in those moments in, in the middle of the night like you're tired it's kind of like austere you're maybe not breaking through and yeah. you're just sitting there like tell us about some of those kind of things yeah i mean i remember okay so so the leader of that 24-hour kirtan group his name was ayendra prabhu he he had been there for about 20 something years he was an american man and he had recently left like he had recently died um in in some in some very weird circumstances uh like unfortunate circumstances to the to the mundane vision uh although we uh, although he was a very spiritually elevated person so he had left i want i actually wanted to go there to spend time with him so um a month before i was to go he had left this world and and I was like, should I still go? Like I was asking my, like I, I, the whole reason I wanted to go was spend time with him. And mm -hmm. so people were like, no, you should still go. And, and, and I went, I still went. So it was very difficult because all his men were very distraught upon okay, his right. absence, you know? So, um, and I was just stepping into this kind of like very, Flux. yeah, a very weird changing situation. And so people were fighting a lot and, 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 you know, people weren't united and the men weren't united in things because he was like keeping them together. You know, he was just the leader. He was like the general. And mm -hmm. so, um, naturally when a general leaves, there's always some kind of like, uh, disarray, unrest, kind of, yeah. unrest, exactly. And so I was stepping into that. And so there was at times when I was doing a shift 
um, where it was just me and one other person. So, so usually the way Kirtan goes is there's a leader and then the leader sings one of the mantras and then the next mantra, everyone who's there, the chorus, it's, they sing, they repeat it back. So if there's only two people, <laughs> it has to go back and forth to, to each of you. So for six, for three hours in the middle of the night in like, I think it was September or something where it was like starting to get a little bit cooler, but it was still kind of hot. It was just like me and this one other guy. And we were just going back and forth for three hours chanting. And I was like, this is hard. And I need to get out of here. This is too much for me. Yeah. And, and and I wrote back to my friends who were meant to come join me. I said, you guys got to come immediately or I'm leaving. This is too difficult. <laughs> like I couldn't even sleep in the middle of the, after I got back from my shift because those there was people who were arguing with each other. Like these, these, okay. these, these people in the ashram, they were arguing. So it was like, um, it was very difficult. It was very yeah. austere. But eventually my friends came and mm. it was, uh, it became very sweet and nice. Mm. And have you any experience um, where, where, the experience was that it was very tough and kind of dry or whatever, but sticking with it that you kind of then had some kind of a breakthrough or something. Totally. Totally. I mean, the way this mantra meditation is that it's, it's going to be very like it's, it said, it's like, um, it's like not sweet. It's like, it's like if when someone's jaundiced, like when you have jaundice I, in the, in the olden days, the way to cure jaundice was to take sugar. And when you taste sugar, it's like very bitter, but, to, but, but to cure yourself of that, you keep taking the sugar and then eventually it becomes sweet. So that was my experience for sure. When it came to trying to do this kirtan and, 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 uh, doing it and become very dry and very difficult at times when I was very distracted. But if I was very focused and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next three hours and I'm going to give my all. I mean, I think this has to do with, I think this has to do with anything you're doing in your life. Like if you give a lot of focus to it and you give it your all and you, um, you, you really, you really apply yourself. Like I remember mm -hmm. teachers when I was a kid telling you, you got to apply yourself. And I was like, I never really understood what that meant, but, but I, I am understanding it now when you really focus yourself and apply yourself, really amazing things can happen with focus. And I think our world is very much, uh, kind of fashioned right now that we are not able to focus on things just like with social media, with phones, with smartphones, all these things. All these things. Yeah. It's, it's fragmenting our, it's it's very fascinating. It 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 um um it's a wonderful point you make. I think there's a great um saying, I'm trying to remember what it is, but I think it's in the Bhagavad Gita that um one who has a single-minded determination or a yes. focus. Yes. Um uh, and the opposite of that is um, you know, kind of um I'm not sure of the word, but like kind of uh many branched kind many of branched. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we all experience that, right? So like totally. when our attention is divided up into so many things, it's like you don't get the benefit of any of them almost. Yes, yes. So you're kind of left feeling really empty. Um, yeah. And it's wonderful what you said because obviously a spiritual activity will bring in and of itself its own kind of benefits. But as you say, any activity – when you fully commit yourself and focus. And I guess that's what they sometimes they talk about that idea of flow, that you're totally synced up with the thing that you're trying to do. 
yeah. and everything kind of moves through more powerfully. I've been thinking about that so much lately, like just with my fam, just with my being a father and being a husband and stuff. Like if you're not applying yourself, like you're not doing yourself a favor, you're not doing the other person a favor. You're just like kind of in the middle and it's, it goes, I mean, it goes back to, you know, I feel that's like the theme, like being in the middle, like don't be in the middle, like be present in what you're doing. Like no matter what it is, like whether it's like, making a social media post or something, be there and do that. Don't do other things on the side. And, and as I, you know, like I said, with being a father, like I'm, I'm sure you can also relate with that. Like when you're with your kids, like be with your kids, you know, like hundred percent, be there with your spouse, be hundred percent there. And, and everyone will benefit from that. And you'll feel much happier. I feel like happy people are people who are focused and can, and can kind of like, um, be one, be steady in, in what they're doing, whatever they're doing. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned um, about your, your getting married and having your kids. So we both have two boys. Yeah. Um, mine are just a little bit older than yours. But um, yeah. Um, what, what has that whole experience been like for you? I guess first oh getting married and then becoming a dad. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay, so I got married in 2013 to Tulsi, who's my, um, who's like my really good friend uh, before anything. And then um, when I wanted to leave the, the the monk life, I I thought, okay, she's the only one who I really can be really comfortable with and be like myself. And she kind of like really accepts me for myself. And and so I was like, kind of like, hey, you want to you know get married? <laughs> I wasn't like that, but it was like. I felt like I could be really comfortable and tell her how I felt. And, and I felt, and I felt like telling her that I like you more than a friend. So, and she felt the same way. So we got married in 2013. Then we, uh, I lived in England for two years and worked there, which was an awesome experience. I love England so much, such a great place, uh, to live and to, 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 you know, to practice spiritual life as well. There's a wonderful community there. And, um, and then having kid, have my first son in 2018, uh, it was just, it was just. I mean, I'm still kind of reeling from the whole experience, <laughs> just because it was like, okay, first of all, it was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle to see a child be born. Like I just couldn't believe like what I was witnessing. It was just like amazing. Like from your own body, like another human being is born, which is you mind, as well. It's mind blowing. Yeah, so because it's like a mini you in a way. Yeah, it's a mini exactly. It's a mini me, and then to just, um, to just like I've always heard of like what children are like, but like to have your own child and to experience him or her like on a daily basis of like their their learning uh, of how to speak and how to like discovering things and how you're a part of that like journey in such a deep way. It was just. It's just like still so amazing. Like I'm going through this a second time with my younger son, who's only three months, and now he's starting to laugh and recognize my face and 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 things like that and grab things. And it's just like I feel like such an outpouring of love and compassion and 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 uh, all my different spiritual goals that I'm trying to fulfill in my own life and my like qualities that I, that I strive for are being used and tested in, in having children. Like this goes back to when we were first married, we asked one spiritual 
um, guru of ours, like what, what, what kind of um, advice do you have for newlyweds? He said, have children. Children will teach you everything you need for uh, bhakti, for bhakti yoga, for Krishna consciousness. And I was like, I, was, I didn't really understand what he meant, but now I understand what he meant. Humility, tolerance, forgiveness, compassion, all these different qualities are, are, are you are, I'm like exercising them by having children, you know? So it's just been a really spiritual experience for me, to be honest. Mm, yeah, it is. It's, it's, as you say, it's, um, it also really, um, I think one thing I'll say, and I, 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 you know, uh, tried to say it with, with some humility in that, you know, I feel sure. very fortunate that, um, it's not a judgment in any way on, on, on people who don't manage it, but you kind of realize when you're being married and then having kids and sometimes the extent that it can stretch you or test you, you yeah. kind of, you kind of realize why a lot of people don't manage to, to make it through. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Totally. So hard. It's so, Very so hard. hard. So like, um, you know, you can really understand how people, you know, either break up or, or people, um, you know, like, you know, lose it with their kids or whatever, you know, we, we mm -hmm. all do a little bit every now and then, yeah. but it's like, you just realize like, this is requiring everything of me. Yes. To, uh, to try and stay solid and, 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 and above this, you know, or, you know yeah. what I mean? Very, very true. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good thought. It, it's, it's understandable. Like why some don't get through it. It's, it's, it's very difficult for sure. And, and, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I you, thank you so much, Namaras. This has been been fab to to. It's to been chat. fun talking to you. Yeah, um, I I'm gonna sort of wrap it up. We have um, yeah. I, I, usually what I do at the end of every interview is I just do like a little bit of a quick fire round. I call them okay, cool, big pillars of life or whatever. I'm gonna okay. throw one at you, and I just want you to in a in a in a sentence or two just tell us where what your thoughts are on it. Okay, um, family. I've come to realize it's number one. Mm, nice. Um, money. Money. I have a really funny relationship with money. Spiritually, spiritually, I, you're supposed to use it for, I mean, you're, you're you need to, I need it. <laughs> Essentially, I, I'm striving for a lot of money. Okay, and it, and it, and tell me about that if you if you could unpack that briefly. Yeah, like, are you uh, able to be like? Um, are you aware enough that there's maybe multiple facets driving that? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's about providing for my family like a good life. Um, but at the same time, balancing my own desires to have certain things. So um, it's it's not a like someone an astrologer told me in the past in my past lives I was a um, I was a very austere like ascetic person, mm -hmm. like a sage sort of. And so in this life, I'm having difficulty dealing with money because I feel guilty about 
earning it and trying and the desire for more money because it's something that I'm not used to. And I'm trying to actually develop that a little bit more in my own self that I, it's not like I'm going to use the money for something bad, but I'm going to use it to support my family. So, um, it's something I have a weird relationship with that I'm trying to work around at the moment, uh, that it's okay to have certain desires and to strive for those desires. As long as you, um, as long as you have good intentions, I think. I don't know if that makes sense either. Yeah, absolutely. And nice to hear your kids in the background there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny, you know, one thing that I, I think most people have a funny relationship with money. It's yeah. such a powerful thing. It is very powerful, yeah. yeah. Um, friendship. Loyalty. One word area. Yeah. One word or yeah, being loyal. Nice. Um, love. Love is love is the bottom line. And if we forget that, then we're missing the point. Mm, yeah. Um, health. I don't <laughs> Health also is one of those. I, I I know, I know. I see my parents who are getting older, and I see them struggling in their health, and it's because they didn't come. They didn't look after themselves when they were younger and my age. But yet, I don't do it enough. I don't look after my health enough, and I know that I might end up. That I could end up with issues later on in life but still yet i don't i haven't had that moment where like that shaking moment where it's like okay you really need to focus on this a little bit more and put a little time into this you know i sit all day for work i don't exercise as much as i meant i meant to um but but um it's something for 2021 that i'd like to put more focus on nice and something fascinating i just came to mind when you were saying that is because it's a common thing, I think. Um, yeah. But um, when we're younger, we feel kind of invincible. And yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we can push ourselves so much more, and it doesn't seem to have the same kind of impact on us as it does when we get older. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting too if you use that as a parallel and you just sort of look at it in a different tier, if you like, mm. and like there's also that idea that we don't see the urgency of looking after our spiritual health either. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, um, people in general. Um, mm -hmm. So we think with normal health, it's like, oh, I'll be fine. And we never really think about it seriously until something happens. So I yeah. guess it, you could, you could, you could, you could argue that similarly it's a, it, with our spiritual health. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Everything will be all right. You yes. know, until perhaps maybe something happens like a friend dies or something happens yes, that makes, yes. makes us question and, and sort of realize oh, that's actually a real thing as well it just hasn't maybe come onto my radar right right you know yeah i always tell that to a friend of mine who who um, i'm trying to get more into spiritual life and spiritual spiritual practice like don't don't let like don't just rest on your you know your good laurels like your 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 good karma 
like don't wait until like something like you said someone dies or something happens where you're, where you're like shooken up and you're like okay like now i need to like focus on my spiritual life like get ahead of that mm. and then the last one is um kind of self-expression or creativity yeah i don't do enough of it i don't do enough of it i just i'm such a busy person with my work and my family and stuff i love drawing i love doing music i i i art is one of my like loves you know i i just love doing it and and uh for my birthday recently my 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 wife and a bunch of my friends got me an ipad with um the pen oh, and nice. uh and i and they're like you should draw more cuz i do comics and stuff you might see my some of my social media stuff i do i draw comics more of my like poking fun at things um and like satirical comics and i just lo- would love to do that more but i just don't like you have to be in a certain mind i feel to do that but i i feel like i'm i can get kind of like caught up in 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 my my work and my family and stuff so i'm not able to do it i'd love to do it more how does it make you feel when you're expressing yourself and you're being creative yeah it just it's like a it's a different feeling it's like a feeling of like something that was in my mind like i'm putting it out on paper or on the screen and that's a it's a cool feeling to to create something and to make people feel a certain way when they see something that you you've created uh so I, that's one of the reasons i love it you're able to it's an it's a form of communication and expression yeah yeah and obviously you also do your your podcast which is yeah. kind of more for the Hare Krishna community people but um but nonetheless um it's called the late morning program even in the title actually for people who are listening who may be outside of that community there's something quite funny because <laughs> as monks um and when you're practicing seriously we would get up at half past three in the morning four o'clock and then do what's called the morning program which is yeah. a whole series of you know um Prayer. learning about philosophy and doing prayer and and mm-hmm. sort of devotional um music and mantras and stuff but it starts at like 4:30 <laughs> so the idea of it being like the late morning program it's kind of like just sort of funny <laughs> yeah yeah the late late show waking up and on that yeah and sort of like i used to get up at half four, like now i get up at like eight. <laughs> right 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 yeah this it that's also an important form of expression my show i i I definitely wanted it to be like somewhere where we could have this kind of conversation like a very frank mm. informal conversation about like things that might affect a spiritual practitioner or someone in the Hare Krishna community or maybe things that people don't really talk about or don't want to talk about because it's controversial. So that's like kind of like a safe space for people to speak about certain things and I've got a lot of good feedback from from our members of you know thank you for creating that space and things like that. So I feel like I'm doing a little bit of a service to people um and uh I'd like to continue. My goal is 100 episodes. I've, I'm I'm at like I'm 40 or something at the moment. Cool. So um it takes up it takes up a good amount of time. Uh, but um, it's also because I enjoy it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, listen, thanks so much for chatting to me. Yeah, I no really problem. That was awesome. I had a lot of fun. Cool. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope you got a lot out of uh, listening to me and, and Amaras uh, waffling on. <laughs> um, but hopefully we gave you a kind of a, 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 a window into um, 
uh, a life of someone who kind of grew up in a spiritual movement, had his sort of meandering path throughout uh, his teens and 20s, and then kind of came back to it, but embraced it for himself. Um, and even now beyond that has kind of arrived at a point where, which I think is super important for all of us, that whatever our path is, that it's sort of real for us. Yeah, um, sure. So thank you so much. And um, if you guys are listening and you're enjoying this, please share it with a friend. Uh, and if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, because I think that's the only one you can actually leave a review and <laughs> a rating on it, oh, please, really? please do it on there. Yeah, I think it, oh, I think cool. it is. The other ones you can't. So right, thanks right. so much, everybody. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Please make sure to tag Namras uh, and myself on social media, on your stories, on your posts. Let us know what stood out for you, what resonated, what was helpful, what you maybe disagree with. Who knows? Let's let's. We'd love to hear from you. It'd be great to to hear your thoughts. Um, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. In the meantime, have a great week.